Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, ladies and gentlemen. Thursday, March 4th, Week 7, recap of all the NHL storylines, headlines, and anything that's out of line right here. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down THS HQ. Here on Long Island, New York. Coming up, as always, my line mates, Mr. Joe Yurden from the great city of Buffalo. Going to talk some Sabres and the Eastern Division. And then we'll go up north, the great white north, and talk to Mr. Costa Papoulias. And we'll talk some Habs and the great Canadian, or the North Division, as they're calling it out there. We call it the Canadian Division here. Then we'll head out to Chicago, and we'll talk to Tab Bamford. And we'll talk some Chicago Blackhawks. And the Central Division, then we'll wrap things up. As always, out on the left coast, the West Coast, with Mr. Steve Palumbo. We'll talk some Western Division hockey as well as a touch on his New Jersey Devils right here on THS. So, let's get things started. Ten games tonight, and there were six games on the schedule last night. Um, So, let's just look at uh, what happened on the ice last night. The Caps beat the Bruins 2-1 two, two to one there in a shootout. Uh, that was Char's uh, game there to come back. Uh, unfortunately, the fans not in the building to give him a standing ovation, uh, but uh, they did give him a little bit of a credit there. Um, you know, the usual video tribute that they do when guys leave teams and come back. It's an um, age-old tradition here in the NHL. Uh, other story from the game as well, too, is uh, Alex Ovechkin got fined uh, $5,000 today for spearing uh, Mr. Frederick there on the Boston Bruins, who was egging Ovi on with a couple cross checks, and then Ovi gave him the business down in that business area that uh, is very dangerous. Anyway, uh, Frederick seems to be okay, and Ovi's short 5K in his pocket. Uh, the Leafs beat the Oilers for the third time in the rows, 6 1, uh, scoring 13 goals in those three games and only allowing one goal against. All against the Oilers, so I think they've got their number, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Blues beat the Ducks 3-2. to two. The Knights beat the Wild 5-1. A couple of games there uh, between the Knights and the Wild. Been a lot of fun the last couple of nights. Uh, Parisi was scratched for the first time in nine seasons with the Wild, and that had to do with his play at the end of the game there the other night, allowing the Knights to tie the game and then win it. So, anyway, um, the Yotes 3-2 against the Kings. Bringing them back down to reality there. I always give credit to the Yotes, man. They're going through a lot of stuff out there uh, as far as the front office and you know, playing out there in Arizona, but they're hanging in there and uh, picking up wins every now and again. The Avs, 4 nothing over the Sharks. Grubauer with the shutout. Uh, there was uh, a bad hit there by Joachim uh, Blitchfield on the Sharks against uh, McKinnon. Received the match penalty. Uh, word is that McKinnon is okay, but uh, unfortunate to see that last night. The Avs are struggling with enough injuries uh, with their season so far, so hopefully uh, McKinnon uh, can hang in there. So that's a wrap on last night's game. Ten games tonight, always heavy on Thursday here. It's pretty much almost like heavy of every other night here in the NHL uh, in this 56-game compact season. Sabres struggling. Uh, we'll get into that with uh, Joe in a little bit uh, at the Islanders tonight. Islanders playing very well. They're a good team, solidly coached. 
uh, buying into that system, and uh, they're just hanging in there, moving up in the division standings. Uh, my New York Rangers will be playing Steve Palumbo's New Jersey Devils tonight. Um, so the Rangers now looking to build on uh, going 4-2 and two in the last six. Uh, so a lot of a weird season going on in, uh, on Broadway here and a tough season going on in New Jersey. They're struggling here in the last week or so, too. Uh, but we'll get into that later on with Steve as well. Uh, Wings at Canes. Uh, they recently split with the the Hawks there. A couple of wild games with those guys. Flyers at the Pens tonight. Crosby is out due to a COVID protocol. Uh, the Jets and the Habs are going at it tonight. They got a couple of games uh, this weekend to play each other. Uh, Coach Ducharme uh, going for his second win uh, with the Habs since he's taken over for Claude Julian. Uh, the Bolts will be playing a uh, back-to-back game. Actually, three in a row, I think, the Bolts and the Hawks will be going at it here, and they start that tonight. Uh, good test for the Hawks. Uh, to see if uh, they can chip away at some of the uh, the top guns here in their division. Uh, the Cats are at the Preds. The Preds are struggling. Uh, Columbus will be playing the Stars. Stars also struggling as well, too. Uh, Sens, man, they are, they're finding a way to win games, and they're playing a Flames team that just can't figure it out, I guess. Uh, we'll have to find out what's going on with the Flames, and we'll talk a little bit about that with Costa coming up when we talk about the North Division. And then the Leafs uh, round out the game tonight against the Canucks, another team that is also struggling there. Uh, in the Canadian division, if not only the league. They played the most games, the Canucks. They played 26 games. Uh, that's where we are, everybody, in between that 20-25 game mark here in this 56-game season. Uh, as far as the teams who played the least amount of games, the Knights uh, 19, the Flyers at 19. Uh, they'll be playing at 20th tonight. Um, Dallas 17, and then uh, the Devils as well. I think they'll be playing their 19th game tonight against the Rangers. Uh, also, cool thing about it, uh, up here in the Northeast and, and starting to happen uh, in certain arenas, the fans are coming back into the games. Uh, it's nice to see it here locally in Long Island, New Jersey, and at the Garden here in the city. Uh, fans getting back into the building. Uh, it's pretty cool uh, to to see them and to hopefully getting us all a little closer to, to getting back to uh, – Normal here. So that's some good stuff. A couple of milestones this week uh, in the league. Uh, this past week, I should say. Obviously, we're a weekly show. Um, Sid hitting 1,000 games. Uh, Kane hit 400 goals in style on Sunday against the uh, the Red Wings. And uh, and that's seven-goal explosion there, too. So congrats to Kane on getting his 400th goal. Uh, I think he's got a few more games, and then he can uh, he's going to hit 1,000, I think, as well as a player. Uh, so some pretty cool stuff there. Uh, I mentioned Charo returning to Boston. Um, I mentioned Parisi getting benched there uh, for the first time in nine seasons, obviously. Uh, the other interesting news, and we'll get into it with Costa as well, too, is the Habs fired their, uh, their goaltending coach, uh, Stefan Waite, and have uh, now moved uh, Sean Burke into that position. Uh, and that he was fired in between periods. So uh, I'd like to get the insight on that with Costa and, and how everybody up in Montreal is uh, feeling about that. Um, the Wild are having a lot of fun here. Zuccarello's back in the lineup, and obviously uh, uh, Dollar Bill Kirill, they're calling him, Kaprasov, uh, 17 points leading all rookies uh, for the NHL here. So uh, they're having some fun, and, and the, the, the Wild are making a little bit of noise here uh, and can uh, probably cause some trouble there. Uh, in that Western division. And speaking of a team that isn't causing trouble, it's, uh, except for themselves, is the Ducks. They've lost eight in a row. And again, we'll talk to uh, Steve-O a little bit about that later on. Um, Olivinho, 700th win there in Philadelphia. Congrats to him. Good stuff. Coached the Canucks, the Habs, the Rangers. Uh, he's got the Flyers in the mix there. So, um, you know, congrats to him uh, hitting that milestone. 
Uh, Kuznetsov there. Also, I forgot to mention that early back with the Caps there, too. They're playing uh, pretty good now. It's a pretty solid team. They're kind of finding the way. You, you just know the Caps are going to be there, but obviously getting some of these guys back in the lineup uh, is a huge uh, uh, help for them. The other news last week was uh, the Sens lost uh, Derek Stepan for the remainder of the season. Uh, injured his shoulder on uh, February 23rd versus the uh, the Habs. He's got a dislocated shoulder, and he's got to get surgery. So, unfortunately, um, Stepan is done for the season. And uh, who knows? He might have got a trade again. He might have been part of a trade, uh, but that's done now. But, anyway, hopefully he'll recover. He's a good guy and get back on the ice next season for either the Sens or anybody else uh, going forward. Um, who's hot and who's not? McDavid, 40 points, still leading the league. Matthews got 18 goals, leading the league there up in Toronto. McDavid leading in assists with 26. Uh, Pavelski there in uh, Dallas got eight power play goals. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky uh, leading the league in wins for Tampa Bay with 13. Uh, Varlamov, if he shuts out the Sabres tonight, he would have four shutouts on the season, and that would put him in the lead uh, with the most shutouts for the season, and that is a good possibility especially against the Buffalo Sabres. Um, the Hawks are the best in the league on the power play, and the Avs are the best in the league on the penalty kill. And at 24, like I said, 25 games and 26 for Vancouver. Here is your top 16 if the playoffs were to start this weekend. Leafs 18-4-2, Bolts 15-4-1, Canes 15-6-1, Cats 13-4-4, Caps 13-5-4, the Knights at 14-4-1, the Jets at 14-7-1, playing really good on the Maurice lately. Uh, and the Isles at 12-6 and 4 in 8th place. Ninth uh, Blues, 13-8-2. Hawks, 12-7-4. Oilers, 14-11-0. Boston, 12-5-3. Flyers, 11-5-3. The Avs, 12-7-1. The Wild, 12-7-1. And the Habs and Pittsburgh tied down there for 16th spot. Uh, Habs, 10-6-5. And, and Pittsburgh, 12-8-1. So there's your top 16. All right, but it's time... For me to shut up and start bringing my line mates here from THS onto the show, and let's go up to the great city of Buffalo and start in a face-off circle as we always do with Mr. Joe Yard and Joey. What's going on? It's Marsh, always. baby. Getting any uh, warmer up there in Buffalo? Uh, sort of. The snow is melting. I'll give it that much. It's cold today, but you know what? I, I see spring temperatures on the horizon, so things are looking up in Buffalo, Ooh. at least in some respects. Well, they have to because they're at the bottom of the standings, brother. Only, oh, man. All they can do is look up. <laughs> it's good to be team thir- number thirty-one out of thirty-one, right? Like that—that's—that's that's good, right? I right? guess so. I mean, how's the draft? <laughs> have, you, have you guys started looking at the uh, draft pool for next year? Uh, on second thought, let's uh, <laughs> let's not look at that. This year's draft not looking like a not looking like a home run hitter this year. Let's. Uh, it's a bad year to be bad. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> well, the, that way. The, the way they're talking, man, it's like you guys are going to get some draft picks via a big trade uh, I, I, with one I, of your I, big uh, guys up there. We'll see what happens. But look, Joe, I, I know you've been very busy this week talking about the Buffalo Sabres. So I'm going to give you a little break here at the start, and we'll we'll switch. We'll, let's we'll come back to the Sabres, but I want to give you a little break here, and let's talk about what's going on in the rest of the Eastern Division here. Um, and let's start with the, t- the top four or five teams that are pretty much sitting in the playoff spots right now, and that's the Caps, the Isles, the Bruins, uh, the Flyers, and obviously uh, Crosby's Pens. And Crosby obviously is out on uh, protocol last night. A couple storylines this week. Uh, 
uh, you know, Char going back in playing the Caps here the other night. They got a, gave him a video tribute. It was really nice. Uh, no fans in the stands, I believe, or at least it wasn't, uh, you know, I know they're putting fans back in the stands. I just don't know what the story was up in Boston. I didn't get to see the clip, uh, but I know a couple of the players were disappointed. Like I said, they wish it had been like a, a full building to, to give him the acknowledgement that he, he definitely deserves there. Uh, Islanders making a, a case for themselves, obviously, um, getting into the Eastern Conference Finals in the Sunderman Tournament, tournament and uh, Trotz has them playing pretty good. Obviously, you know, we we got to look at the competition and the schedule here, too. But full marks of the Isles, how they're playing. Vigneault gets a 700th win the other day. He's got the Flyers staying in the pack. And obviously, with the changes made in Pittsburgh, they're still pretty much steady, too. So, Joe, let's just talk about these uh, four or five teams first out of the gate and get your take on uh, how they're looking. Yeah, you know what? I I do like the Caps. I you know maybe I'm putting the kiss of death on them like I did with Boston last week, oh, where I said, "Boy, Boston's running away with this thing. Boy, <laughs> they look so good, and then they get bombed on by the Rangers." And uh, you're welcome. Did you get Rangers. our Did you get our gift basket from the Ranger fans? <laughs> I did. I got a nice. I got a nice. I got a nice cookie. I got a. I got a gift <laughs> certificate to Katz's. It's great. It's uh. It's very nice of everybody. It's very well, nice. I, I love that. <laughs> but I tell. But I tell you what, though. I mean, we're going to have those ups and downs from all these teams. You know, it's just it's just a matter of being able to fight through it and and, and do better on the other side of it, not let it linger. And Boston seemed to, to do that. I mean, they get they get their teeth kicked in for two games. They came right back. They and they showed they were the boss uh, afterwards. So I don't I'm not sweating Boston. I'm not sweating the aisles and I'm not sweating the caps either. I think I think all those three teams are really good. And, you know, I, I look at what the caps have and I mean, you know, you see Ovi, and it's crazy to think he's in the last year of that 13-year contract the Caps gave him, you know, forever ago, <laughs> 13 years ago now. Yeah, crazy. And it's wild to think that he is still producing as, as much as he does. He's still a threat offensively. He's still one of the best players in the game. And you see the way he just bombs away on those shots. And, like, guys like him – Usually at some point in their career, something, you know, a little something comes off of that shot. It's no longer, you know, cooking in there at like 100 miles an hour. You know, you, you, I mean, I remember how Brett Hall, where it was just like unstoppable for so long. And like, even, you know, granted, you know, part of his career came in the teeth of the trap era. And, yep. you know, he winds up in Dallas and, you know, you can't play you can't play that old run and gun style with Ken Hitchcock. But he was able to figure it out. He wins a cup. He goes to Detroit, wins another cup. And, you know, but he was able to evolve until a point where it just stopped. You know, like I, I remember when he went to Arizona and it was like, hey, Brett Hull's going to Arizona. That's cool. Following I, the old I man forgot he went steps. to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't last very long. Like he got to a point, in, I think it was in training camp. And he was like, you know what? No, no, we're, we're done with it. I don't need this anymore. I'm going to the Hall fame in five, five years let's, oh let's come on joe today. he says he says i'm going to 7-eleven to pick up a case of beer <laughs> <I'm> like, oh. <laughs> you know what after 700 goals i would too you yes know? Just call well deserved be like you know what yeah, I'm, I'm good let's let's go have some beers and celebrate <laughs> but um but i mean but ovi just keeps going man like that dude just he just doesn't stop and that guy he's still having a case of beer after a game but he's a, he's a freak i mean he's he's an absolute freak so uh, the, the fact that, I mean, the caps are at a spot now where like, as long as he keeps going, he's just going to keep rolling. And, you know, he's got better supporting cast now than he's ever had in his career with Kuznetsov. Vrana looks incredible. Vrana looks like he's, he's stepping into a, a great role there. Oh, she's awesome. Backstrom, a little something off of Backstrom's game, but he's still really good. Yeah. You know, Kuznetsov's right. You know, the, they've got all these guys there. Justin Schultz, who they just added on defense this year. He's adding he's adding a nice compliment to them on the back end where it seemed like it was Carlson and you know not a whole lot else going back there but um, but you know they had kept you know Kempney's out but 
you know, Schultz has stepped in really nice for them. So, and they're getting, you know, with the goaltending, the goaltending I thought was going to be a big problem for him, but you know, Vanatek is playing pretty well. Uh, they're, they're going to get uh, Sam Sonov back soon. I mean, he's, he's, he's already getting called back up now, but, um, but once he gets going and, you know, they, you know, Vanacek has held it down for him. I like, you know, I like the way that sets up for the caps. As long as Sam Sonov can, can get back into a role and, and find his groove. I think they'll, I think they'll be able to really roll here, but, um, but I mean, you know, the aisles are so tough. Yeah. They're so tough defensively, but you know what? Andrews Lee's playing great. Uh, I love the way Everly's played this season. I think I think that's gone kind of under the radar for you know because everybody talks about the Isles defense, but Everly's played great. Anders Lee's been great. Barzal's always fantastic, um, and they're just able to kind of roll with it. And you know they roll four great lines at you. You could question their defense, but man, the defensemen just kind of just hold it steady, Eddie. So that that's great. Varlamov's you know Varlamov and Sorokin like those guys. Job's a little bit easier with the, with the way the aisles play in front of them, but you know, hey, when they get peppered on, man, they stand up to it. So that's great. Yeah, it's and, been a while since the Isles have had like a, a a rock solid. I mean, you know, Grice has played good for them in the past, and you know, mm-hmm. a couple of guys have had them there and stuff. But these two guys, pretty rock solid. Yeah, you know, it's been I a mean, while since the Isles have had that kind of uh, caliber in the nets there, especially when one of them's a rookie. You know, I mean, he's fresh yeah. off coming coming over from Russia and. That can be difficult. I mean, that that can be a big change for for some of those guys. But I think it helps having Varlamov with him. I mean, it's it's nice to have a fellow countryman there, probably a guy that he looked up to growing up. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I, there's no way there. Yeah. There's no way that that can't be possible. But um, but yeah. But the way that they set up and you know, Trotz always has those guys going. Like if they're if they're off their game for a couple of days. Man, the, the practice is going to be nasty. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to wants to have to go through a, a grueling Barry, Barry Trotz practice to try to get back on it. Joe, um, I always uh, envision him because when he has his mask on, he yeah. looks like uh, Bane from Batman. <laughs> so I can only picture him. I can imagine going into the locker room and then putting on the Bane voice. Oh man, Ooh, yeah, especially there. after he's been he's been yelling win. at. You. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's you know, uh, but, but yeah, I'm picturing now Bane with a Canadian accent, you know, <laughs> you know, a little bit of a Canadian accent to it, and you know, I think that's probably funnier than it's worth. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to try it. Uh, I mean, that was pretty bad imitation there before. But just uh, <laughs> he just look, every time I see it, my God, he looks like Bane. You know? Yeah. You know what? Somebody should dress him up with, uh, you know, get him a mask that looks like the Bane mask yeah. and just just sneak that one by him. I'm close. I'll, I'll mail. You know, I'll drop one off, Joe. I'm yeah, around just, the yeah, corner here. Be like, hey, coach, I got a gift for you. Like, got listen, one for you. Just check it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you know what? Um, you know, I, you know, listen, I, you know, I pumped Boston's tires enough last week that I don't really need to do it again. I mean, they're they're good. They're they're. I don't worry. I don't worry about Boston even even when they're getting beat down by the Rangers. It's like I don't. I'm not worried about them, but. Uh, but those teams, I mean, it's looking really tough. You know, if you're the Rangers or you're the Devils or the or you're the Sabers at the bottom, and you're looking up and suddenly, you know, I mean, the Rangers are the closest. They're six points back, and you're just kind of like, well, that's three wins. How many games in hand do we have? Can we get back? Can we get back into that race? I mean, that's it's easier to do in this setup with the uh, with the way the schedule is. I mean, you get to you get your chances at everybody. I mean, as long as you haven't played all seven or eight games against everybody else at the beginning of the season, you got a chance to to get yourself back in the race. But, um, but yeah, I mean, out of out of that crew, the top five, Pittsburgh's the one I worry about the most. Uh, just because worry about I, I as far as them making the playoffs, off? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I okay. worry about them being able to get into the playoff race. Just, you know, I know Philly, you know, Philly and Pittsburgh are neck and neck right now. And I know Philly's had some, you know, they got, they're inconsistent. Uh, but Pittsburgh has been too. But Pittsburgh's goaltending makes me worry way more. I, I don't think Jari's been very good this season. Um, I haven't really liked a lot of the way he's played for most of the year. He had a, he had a good run there for a little bit, but I don't know. Like right now, I, I just, I have a really hard time wrapping you know, being able to put my arm around them to say like, yeah, this team's, this team's got it. You know, I mean, Malkin's been off most of the year, you know, he's been, his game's just been off most of the year. Crosby, you know, obviously he's on the COVID list now. So that's, you know, that's a whole other thing to deal with, whether he's, you know, if he's actually got it or if they got him under, you know, if they got him under watch, it doesn't matter. He's missing games. Um, and you know, if, if those, you know, with Malkin being off and Crosby, not, in the lineup, that's way harder to deal yeah. with. And they're in a spot where sacrificing points at all, not, not in their best interest, even with, you know, with 30, whatever games to go, um, you don't want to be dropping a point here or two there with teams that are right ahead of you and that you need to get into the playoffs over. So I, I just have a harder time with Pittsburgh and I granted, you know, part of that might be me saying at the beginning of the year that I was like, eh, I'm not sure about the penguins this year. Cause I was iffy on them just, just in general, just for how they how they were built up. But, um, yeah, there's just, I don't know, something about them just doesn't sit right with me. They're getting a bunch of guys back from injury this mm-hmm. week, so we'll see how they rebound from that. But, um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, something about them just doesn't sit right with me. Which is probably good news for Ranger fans because, I mean, you know, the, the Devils look like they, they could play pretty good there last week, and then they've, they've kind of dropped off again here. And the Rangers have been this, you know, I guess ghost of a team. They're going through some weird adversity this year. They've got the talent on paper. You know, Quinn's either hot or cold, you know, as far as the fan base is concerned. But 4-2 and two in the last six. They have a chance now against a team that they should be better than. It's the Devils here to pick up a couple more points here. Um, you know, Panarin's still out. We'll see what happens. They're missing a couple guys. Truba coming back. I mean, if these guys could put a stretch together, if Zabanajad could get going here a little bit, mm-hmm. they could stay in the fight here. They've also got the goaltending. The defense is playing pretty good. And I think that's where the jury's out on Quinn is, is getting over that hump. Yeah. Pushing and, through. And that's, you know, that's tough to do. I mean, they're, the Rangers are such a young team. I think everybody's kind of forgetting about that. Like, yeah, I mean, you see, you, know, you, you remember how Panarin was so great last year and you're thinking like, wow, you know, these guys that got Panarin. So like, you know, they got They got an MVP style player so they can roll. But I mean, you look at just everybody else on that on that squad. I mean, you know, Buchnevich looked really good against Buffalo the other night. I mean, he's 25, and you know, you know, Strom's still a young, you know, he's 27. So it's like, all right, you know, get these guys going. Get you know, get Kreider going. You know, I can't believe Kreider's 29. That blows me away. I yeah. I think of Kreider, and I'm just like, geez, this kid's still like 24, 25, right? Nope, <laughs> nope, <laughs> not even close. But I mean, you know, with Fox. Fox plays outstanding, you know, Ryan Lindgren. I mean, he fights cousins the other night and, you know, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a hard ass kind of player. So like, you know, you get a bunch of these dudes going and, you know, you still haven't got Lafreniere to, to really jump out yet. You know, you're waiting for him to, to finally like just have it click in his head and say like, all right, I got this, let's go. But, uh, but they've got so many dudes that are just, that are just young and you're just waiting, you know, they're, they're learning the job on the fly and they're also growing into it. You know, Keandre Miller, I love the way he plays. I think yeah. he's, I think he's, I think that's a great, 
that's a great step up for them because I think the defenses are still a huge question for him, but Miller's played outstanding, you know, and once, you know, Heedle's going to get back in the lineup here. I thought he was really breaking out before he got banged up. So um, I'm curious to see how they jump up once some of these guys get back in the lineup and they get the, you know, they get a little bit of a flow going and see how it goes because, because man, I, you know, I, I like a lot of what the Rangers have going on for him. And obviously, you know, goaltending, you're, you, you, you want Shesterkin in to, to kind of, you know, just seize seize the show and just kind of run with it. But, um, but I don't know. There's there's a lot there to like. And you know what? They're getting some great play from some of the depth guys. Colin Blackwell. I mean, there's a lot of fans in Rochester up this way that are mad that the the Sabers never hung <laughs> onto him to, to to give him a fair shot. And he's he's making making them in Nashville look kind of bad for for letting him walk. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's but that, that those are the kind of guys you need down in your lineup to really kind of play up and. And show show a little bit of an edge, so that's that's good for them. That'll help them out as as the stretch, you know, as the the season carries on. But um, but yeah, you need consistency. You need some of these. You know, you need Zibanejad. You need Kreider. You need these guys to step up. Absolutely, it'll be interesting to watch, no doubt about it. Especially personally for me, Joe, because I'm a Strangers fan. <laughs> so look, uh, you got right, to make the night fun for you. You know, that's that's the important. Part. A little bit of enjoyment. Uh, now, as far as you and the fe- uh, the rest of your uh, fellow residents up there in the great city of Buffalo, let's talk about this team that unfortunately is last in the league. Uh, Twenty games played, six eleven and three. Uh, you got the Islanders tonight. We were just talking about not a not a good team that you want to try and bounce back against or have to bounce back against. Yeah. Uh, since we last talked, um, they've lost four in a row. Uh, Devils twice to the Flyers, uh, and then the Rangers on Tuesday, and um, uh, you guys were ripped in the post-game report by uh, former goaltender Lorraine Steve Valaquette on MSG. Oh, man. Um, and, uh, and there you go. And then I guess the big news, we were talking about it last week as far as Skinner getting back in the lineup, and he is in the lineup. Three games, uh, minus two in the first one, minus one in the first one. He got 14 minutes in the 3 nothing loss to the Flyers, 12 minutes in the 3 nothing loss to the Flyers in the second one. No shots in the first game, one shot in the second. Another 14 minutes in the loss to the Rangers, the 3-2 loss, uh, and he had three shots. So I guess this progression with the shooting, Joe, but no points. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and then uh, you know after talking about Jeff here and and we'll touch on Eichel he missed a couple of games he's back and then yeah. there's a couple of other guys I want to talk about on this team besides uh, Jeff and Jack Eichel. Yeah, and uh, you know what I, I thought Skinner had I, you know they, they lose to the Rangers it's, you know it's a three two loss to the Rangers and they played better um, but they're but they're in a spot now where they're not going to get laurels for playing a nice game you know like they you know there's no moral victories anymore there's no like oh hey you played well. Even though you lost, hey, good for you. Here's a gold star. You know, like they're they're not getting they're not getting any thank yous for that. Like, you know, but you know, Skinner did have a did have a nice game. I mean, he had a you know he gets robbed on his uh, he had a great one timer opportunity in front. And he just gets absolutely absolutely robbed. So, I mean that that's tough. But that's been his luck all season. You know, every time he's had a great chance, it's just the goalie comes up huge or clanks off the post, and that's that. You know, see you later. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Ralph's, you know, they're looking, they're staring long into the abyss with their next three games. I mean, it's it's three against the Islanders in a row. You know, it's 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 uh, yeah, it's tonight, Thursday night, tonight, and then Saturday and Sunday. And so I was I'm I trying know. to keep it at one game, trying to keep it positive. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hockey Day in America, they're gonna get to <laughs> they're gonna get to be on NBC oh. probably. Uh, getting to ha- getting to have a nice tough time with the aisles so i don't know i don't know how that's gonna go that's i feel bad for the broadcasters on that one good luck trying to good try to 
good, good, you know, good luck trying to paint lipstick on a pig with that one. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe things cut loose and both teams play sloppy and it turns into a five, four fun fest, but, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening, uh, at all. They'll be lucky. I think Buffalo will be lucky to score four goals in the, in all three games combined, but, um, that, that's how high up I am. I, I am on them right Bruce now, but, Joe. um, but yeah, it's, I, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough to see them kind of shaking this off. I mean, it, it, there are ways through it because, you know, you know, Hall's had his chances. Eichel's had his chances. Skinner's had his opportunities. You know, these guys are getting chances and the chances just aren't going. And you got to think it's the, it's the whole logical thought of like, well, at some point they got to go in, you know, <laughs> some point the shots have got to go in, but. Uh, but they haven't all season long. They haven't. And it's, you know, it's, it's a factor of luck, but it's also a factor of, you know, they, they don't really play an offensive style of hockey that um, lends to those guys strengths. And that's, that's where Kruger's coming under a lot of fire f- for, for, for how things are going, because the breakdown on offense is leading to breakdowns on defense and the defense, at least last year, they were able to say like, Hey, we can defend, you know, we're limiting chances. You know, other teams aren't getting these great looks. Uh, but that's not the case this year. Other teams are, you know, constant two on ones, three on one opportunities. Um, goalies are under fight. You know, Carter Hutton had a really rough game against the Rangers, you know, stood up a little bit in the third period, but the Rangers were more or less sitting on sitting on the lead. So, um, you know, and the, but like, you know, looking back on those games against the Flyers, those were two of the most morose, awful games I've seen Buffalo, a Buffalo team play in years. And that's saying something, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been in Buffalo since 2013, 13, 14 season. Yeah. That's a lot of bad hockey. That's a lot of bad hockey. And those were two of the worst games I've watched ever from, you know, in that time span. So that's, you know, granted one game without Eichel, one game with him, but those two games were indistinguishable between him being in the lineup and him being out of it. But, um, but I feel for Jack, I feel bad for Jack. He's playing hurt. He's banged up. You know, he yeah. had he had a rib issue before the season started. Um, he's you know, he got hurt against Jersey uh, last week. You got you know, that's what led to him being out against Philly uh, for one of those games. And he's dealing with something else like he, you can watch him play. And like the skating's not as dynamic. He's getting pushed off the puck, like not even checked off the puck. Just defender puts a hand on him and pushes him, you know, is able to push him away from it. That's really hard to watch, especially watching him lay into a one timer uh, on the power play. And he lets one rip and you can see him wince. And you're just like, man, he's he's trying so hard to pick this team up. And that's that's what's that's what's really hard about seeing people just, just kind of dog on him and say, like, geez, this guy's got to step up. This guy's got to be better. Well, and well, that, and that's trying. I, yeah, I know. And that's why I wanted to today real quick, if we can, before we wrap things up here, Joe, is, is talk about some of the other guys in this team. We're talking Skinner, like I said, we were saying last week, the kid can't do anything if he's not in the lineup. So he's back in the lineup, and he's got to get his legs and get back into gameplay here. Eichel is doing all he can, just like you said, through his injury. He's a big star. He's trying to carry the team on his back here. But what about Hall, Stahl, Oposo, Reinhardt, Olofsson up front? I mean, talk about some of these other guys that mm-hmm. – should they be getting either fingers pointed at them or I might not see it, or are they getting – are they getting buried in the papers up in Buffalo here too? As far as their contribution, you know, when a guy like Stephen Valaquet says that the other night, like they just quit, have they all quit? Yeah, I, I it's hard for me to say they've quit. I think I think some of these guys are mis, misplaced in the lineup. Honestly, um, 
you know, I, I know they're trying to, you know, keep Victor Olofsson involved with this offense and trying to keep him going and, you know, putting him with Jack and with uh, Sam Reinhardt, that's, that's the way to do it because they had success last year. But, but Victor's been, he's struggled so much at even strength that I would slide him down. I would honestly, I would slip, I would swap him and Skinner in spots. And it's not as a punishment to Olofsson, but I think Olofsson can benefit from having guys who are defensive stalwarts like uh, Lazar and Shahan playing with him and just leave him like, listen, man, you can play the offense. You can, you can do this. Um, and then, you know what, you get Skinner back on that, uh, with Eichel and Reinhardt, like they were a couple of years ago when Skinner scored 40. And then I think you can at least have one line that can go out and just dominate offensively. Um, the, you know, they move Kyle Oposo up off of, uh, off the third line to play him with Eric Stahl and Taylor Hall. And I just think that's a bad fit. Uh, you know, Kyle's struggled this year. Um, even, you know, compare, you know, like last year he was in a great role with Gergensen's and Johan Larson. And, you know, that was a line that was a shutdown line. You know, they dominated possession. They were physical. They were really good, but you know, they, they, they let, they let Larson walk in free agency. Gergensen's out for the year with a hand, you know, he tore his hamstring. So he's done for the year. Um, so like that, there's that dynamic isn't there anymore. And they've tried to recreate that with Tobias reader and with Cody Eakin, and that just doesn't work. Like that line doesn't work. You know, Dylan Cousins has jumped into that spot now with Hall and Stall, and um, that to me is the the right move because Dylan Cousins has the speed to keep up with Hall, and he's also shown the ability to just dig in on plays and and just be a factor. So I think that's good. Um, but you know, for some of these, you know, for some of these other guys, it's just you know, there's a lot. It just seems like there's a lot of mismatched parts, and you know, the, you know, they've got you know, you got Ristolainen coming back from COVID, and you know, he's not playing quite the same. He even said today that you know he doesn't feel like he's played well since he's come back. And you know, listen, I'm going to cut him a break because it sounded like he took some really harsh effects from COVID. So like that, there's that. But you know, you haven't seen Darlene really step up this year. He's lagged back. You know, Yoki Haru's had a tough year on defense. You know, they, they've lost McCabe now for the year. And, you know, he was the guy that was kind of keeping Ristolainen. He and Ristolainen were like the top pair. So it just seems like <laughs> seems like there's like a witch's curse on this team to just make sure that they don't get over any humps at all this year. You know, whether, you know, it's McCabe getting hurt, you know, Opozo just looking, you know, looking his age. And not really his age, but just looking worn out. Um and, you know, you know, Eichel, you know, the COVID stuff, you know, Eichel being banged up, all this stuff, it just looks like no matter what they're trying to do, they're just going to not get over it. And that's tough. No doubt about it. Well, I'll tell you what, Joe. In these next <laughs> couple of games coming up against uh, the Islanders, one against Philly and Pittsburgh, if they don't at least get two wins, I'm going to allow you to pick a different team to cover here. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll start scouting. I can't do this to you every week. I can't do this to you. You're a good man. I need you. I'll have the aisles known inside out after this weekend. So. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to jump on board. I don't know. Oh, man. Good stuff. Joe, thanks as always, man. Stay warm up there. Enjoy the warm weather coming in. And uh, again, we'll talk next week. And again, hopefully, there's some positive stuff to talk about the Sabres. And as always, appreciate your take on the Eastern Division. Have a great day, buddy. Fingers crossed, Paulie. Good to talk to you again, man. You got it. Joe, you're everybody. Covering the Sabres for us. Oh, dear Lord. Win a few games for Joe Yarden, please. All right. THS rolls on. All right. It's now time, as always, to head up to the Great White North and talk some Canadian division. We don't call it the Northern Division here at THS. 
And of course, the Montreal Canadiens with our good friend, Mr. Costa Papoulias. Costa, welcome back, brother. How are you? I'm good, Paul. It's, it's, it's still cold up here in the division. What do you mean it's cold up there? I'm wearing shorts it, here yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're one of the lucky ones. We can't wear shorts up here. If we wear shorts up here, our hair stands straight out. We look like porcupines. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you guys aren't allowed to go outside anyway, right? No, exactly. We're, we're we're stuck in our houses and, you know, places of work and whatever the case may be. I mean, it's starting to lift a little bit, but, you know, chances are they'll lift it too fast and they'll screw it up. So I'll leave it to, that, to the politicians to make that distinction. All right. So I got to ask you, I mean, are the Montreal Canadiens lifting your spirits of late? <laughs> it's not at all, man. I mean, despite <laughs> the fact that they got a 3-1 win the other day, I mean, I, 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 like, what happened with the goalie coach just it threw me for a loop. I'm like, what? Awesome. And then this, everybody lost it. It's like, okay, the media's done. They don't know what's going on. You know, it happened mid-game. It was also like the Mike Camilleri trade when he when they were playing against Boston. Middle of the second period, Camilleri gets traded. Well, middle of the second period against Ottawa, for some reason, Stefan Wheat gets fired. Well, let's let's get into this team here. All right, and we're we'll definitely, definitely going to hit on that story, no doubt about it. Twenty-one games played, ten six and five. Uh, Jets tonight and Saturday. Uh, you guys are holding on to fourth there in the division uh, since last week. Uh, back-to-back losses to the Jets. Uh, one of those, uh, an overtime loss. But um, you did beat the Sens three-one on Tuesday for Coach Dominic Ducharme's first win uh, as a Montreal Canadian head coach, and then again. The story that you just alluded to about Stefan Waite getting fired. But let's talk about Coach Duchamp here. And, uh, I mean, I know it's a short time, but um, any, anything you can point out here, uh, any differences, positive things that you've seen with him behind the bench? Well, the one positive that I've seen is that the guys do have a little bit more uh, patience with the puck, which is something that you didn't see too, too often. And you're starting to see it from guys like Jonathan Drouin, who have played for Ducharme before, and they're kind of leading the charge. And so, you know, it's starting to come through slowly. You're looking at Thomas Tatar, you know, guys that were playing on the periphery that we discussed like last time, they're starting to cut towards the middle with the puck. They're creating lanes for guys to skate through and they're starting to create a little bit of confusion. And now any team that doesn't take advantage of the middle of the ice will never have success. You got to play hockey between the dots to win. And the Canadians weren't doing that for the better part of six games. They did it against Ottawa, and now it's a start. It's not quite where I think Coach Ducharme wants to get this team, but it's a start. And so to see them click a little bit more offensively, the power play looked good. There were a couple of changes made there as far as puck distribution was concerned. You know, you saw Desperi Kakanyemi actually running the power play, and that's not something you would see under Claude Julien. He would depend far more on his on his veterans, you know, and that's been his stigma throughout his coaching career. But Kakanyemi was given a little bit more responsibility, and he thrived with it. So I'm, I'm waiting to see tonight whether or not that trend continues because I like what I saw. And Costa, I mean, I know you've coached yourself too, and, and you're affectionately known as Coach Costa. You know, where where's the – how do you figure out where a guy like Julian's not getting that across, you know, uh, to, to the players, and, and, a, and a guy like Dominic comes in here and he starts just even switching the littlest thing. You know, I just find it fascinating how a, a guy can just step in behind the bench and he, he somehow figures out. He's obviously been – he's watching the team. He's an assistant coach. He sees what's going on. And then he gets to put, you know, his own little spice on the team. And, you know, hearing you talk just even about the little bit of change uh, that might be leading towards a positive trend here for the Canadians, how and why does that happen? Why didn't, like, Julian not see that? Well, I don't think it's a question of Julian not seeing it. It's a question of, you know, being able to actually transition your assistant coaches to be able to teach, teach that to your players. 
Now, Ducharme is, 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 is known to delegate. But the thing about Coach Ducharme is the fact that he will lead the charge and show his assistants and his players what he wants done and the type of play he expects them to, 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 go, to go through, you know, whether they want their offensive, defensive, whatever the case may be. He'll assign them roles and he'll, he'll show them pretty much on the ice within his predetermined system how he wants them to play. And then he'll delegate those assistant coaches. Claude Julien wasn't like that. Claude Julien had his hands on everything. And, and you know as well as I do, if you micromanage, you're done for. You're right? you got to depend on, on every single piece of your team to be able to move forward and have success. And I think Julien, because of the fact that Montreal is such a, a, a heavy-duty pressure cooker, it was hard for him to completely let go of things when he gave them off to, let's say, Kirk Muller. Because when you look at Kirk Muller in the bubble last year after Claude had his cardiac issue, Muller made some subtle changes that everybody liked, except for one person. That was Claude Julien. They're in the reason why they were both gone, right? So, you know, you've got to follow the lead of the head coach, and the head coach has to delegate in a way where his his, his subordinates understand exactly the direction that he's going in, and then continue from there. And that that's what I think Claude Julien wasn't doing, and I think that's what led to this this massive confusion that we saw during you know the last five games of his tenure. Wow. Well, like I said, it'd be uh, you know, it's, it's still so early, and like I said, it's only been um, a couple of games here, and, and obviously uh, another big challenge for these guys against the Jets this weekend and stuff, no doubt about it. And I guess you know you just have to let it play out here, as uh, as far as uh, Coach Ducharme uh, taking over here. Now, swinging back to the story the other night, Stefan Wait. Now, you know um, Burke um, gets hired here uh, to take Stefan Waite's, uh, you know, place here. Uh, and, um, you know, Price and Allen now, they now have a new goaltending coach. And, uh, you know, here again, I have to ask the question as far as, you know, seeing guys like Allen and, and, and Price who are just incredibly experienced goaltenders, how much of a change could this make? I guess, number one, let me start with, I haven't seen any of the post-game, uh, press conferences as far as Bergevin's reasoning and how and why it happened. So maybe you can just fill us in on that and then talk about, um, you know, uh, you know how how big of a change is this going to be, and and your your thoughts on on Berkey joining the uh, organization? Now, I, I, first of all, I love Sean Burke as a player. I loved him. You know, he played for Team Canada back in the eighties, and you know he, that led to his career in the National Hockey League. Because before that, you know, that people didn't really hear about him. So he came up like kind of the same way Devin Dubnik did. You know, through the through the trenches, and he made his way to the National Hockey League, where he built himself a really solid career. Uh, when you look at him, you know, the, the, he didn't just get hired. He's been working for the Canadians as part of their scouting staff. So, you know, he's okay. been scouting other goaltenders and stuff like that. And the thing about the, 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 the one trepidation that I have about Burke is the f- fact that his own goaltending style was not, you know, that of a butterfly goaltender. And, you know, when you saw uh, other goaltending coaches like Roly Melanson work with guys like Jose Theodore and, and whatever the case may be, their particular style doesn't really mesh with um, butterfly goaltenders. Now, granted, you know, the butterfly style is developed by a guy who, like, never basically, you know, by Fosfoy Lair, who never really played that kind of style. But and, and guys have learned over time what the butterfly style is about in regards to percentages, angles, and so on and so forth. So I think Berkey's going to be fine. What was interesting was the way Mark Bergevin turned around and, and, you know, he said that, you know, there were changes needed to be made. You know, there was some kind of, you know, problem between price and weight. And he didn't really allude to that, like, wide open, but you could see in his messaging that there was a problem there. And the fact that this happened mid-game tells me that it wasn't just price and weight. 
I think it had to do also with Bergevin and Wade because I think what was going on is that Bergevin, like the rest of us, realized that Price's game was starting to take a negative turn, you know, and 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 you know, I I could spell out a few different things about Carey Price's game that I didn't like in comparison to the way he played a few years ago. But at the end of the day, if your goaltending coach can't recognize those and he's called out by his GM and can't answer the call, you know the change is going to be made. And I think that's what happened, and that's what happened mid-game. And has there been any past PR problems with, with weight and stuff? And I mean, it's it's so funny, I guess, from the outside of all of us looking, uh, you know, at the Montreal Canadiens as far as, you know, storied uh, you know, organization here and stuff. And it's never a dull moment, you know, as far as when guys either get let go, fired, or if there's changes. You know, you think of Patrick Roy, you know, how he left the team and everything else. But um, just in between periods, it just seems so, so weird. I mean... And there's been no uh, follow-up on in terms of how that just happened, or I mean, have they gotten along, Bergevin and him? I, I, for all intents and purposes, yeah. There was no, uh, you know, the, prior to everything that happened so quick, there was no real, uh, you know, inkling of what was going on between the two of them, right? And, and, and Stefan Waite wouldn't really talk to the press unless, you know, they asked for his availability, and so Bergevin would know, right? And he didn't seem to be a stickler in the mud. Uh, you know, he would never throw his goaltenders under the bus. He would talk about what they were working on in, in, in a generalized roundabout sort of way. So it was never, there was no real understanding of what happened. The only thing that I know is that the French media in this town are losing it because Sean Burke doesn't speak French. So now they have no idea what's going to be going on as far as what they're going to be working on, you know, between goaltender and coach. I don't see that being a problem because, you know, the French media do speak English and tend to talk, you know, because otherwise they wouldn't be able to talk to players like Gallagher or Tatar or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So I don't see the real problem. They do in the fact that they want to get sound bites from, you know, Sean Burke from time to time and they're not going to be able to get him now. So it is what it is, man. I mean, they, they, you know, that's 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 what the city's all about. You know, the media loses their minds every time, you know, oh, wait, he speaks English. No, <laughs> you know, it's always been it's always been that way around here. You know, since the, you know, the late 90s, it's been the same thing over and over again. I hate the fact that that's the way this market is. I know the 90 percent, 95 percent, I would say, of the people that, you know, want the Canadians to succeed don't care if you know your coach speaks Swahili you know it doesn't make a difference to them so long as they speak hockey Uh, this is all like all this you know language stuff is all propagated by the media and you know if I wish it was gone I wish they would go back to the years where they had guys like Pollock and Selkie and Bowman and you name it you know and Bowman's a guy that comes from Montreal but can't speak a lick of French. You know, it's yeah. not really great. So, you know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, you know, it, you want them to succeed. And, you know, it remains to be seen if that's going to be done. But, man, oh, man, I want this to work. Yeah, no doubt about it. And speaking about wanting to work, I mean, you guys as a fan base now, with the recent change, the head coaching change and now the goalie coaching change here, I mean, are you guys going to be able to have patience with this team or – do you think these guys can keep it together here with the talent on board? Because Ducharme has obviously been with this lineup here. He knows most of these guys anyway. Do you think they can hang in and hang on to this four spot and make the playoffs? And, uh, you know, while at the same time being patient, you know, with, with all the changes that are going on so quickly. Yeah, they can definitely, they can def- look, they have the talent and the depth to get there. We've seen that already, right? When, when your players are confused and don't know what to do on the ice, that's what leads to what was going on. And granted, the Canadians seem to nip it in the bud because they got it. They got to it before, you know, they, that that 
you know, eight game losing streak like they had, or the two of them that they had last year really kicked in and really got them behind the eight ball. Now it remains, let's see what they do. They like coach Ducharme. There's no doubt about that. Like the players have come out and said it, you know, they like coach Ducharme, you know, Carey Price. It's, you know, people need to give that guy a little bit of a break. And now I'm not going to say, you know, he needs to be, you know, everybody needs to back off, but during the off season, he had another kid and people tend to forget that they're not hockey players they're human beings yeah you know so you you want them to succeed you want them to do the work but you know sometimes life throws you a curveball and you can't you know whether it's COVID or anything else and so you know he didn't really train the way he needed to train in the preseason so yeah you're gonna blame him for that sure do it whatever but he's a new dad he's got another kid he was helping his wife out you know give him a break he'll get back to form give him a little bit of time he normally has these little you know three four week lulls in his game before you know he kicks it up another notch i'm not worried you know i'm i'm a you know i love gary price i love what he brings to the table i want him to stop going down on his knees to try to see pucks i want the canadians to stop fronting defense in front of him and let him do the bulk of the work and and you know be a little bit more physical in front of the net open the lane way up let him see the shots let him track the puck better that's been the biggest issue with price there's too much traffic in front of him don't blame the goalie for that because he's not the one that's going to clear the area. You know, it's like we've been talking about. The middle of the ice has been dominated by the opposition. Take possession of that middle ice area, move the players out of the way, let your goaltender do his work, and things will fall into place. That hasn't been happening. That's the thing that that fans need to have more patience with, not the players themselves. Well, hopefully you guys can all work it out and uh, get you keep you guys happy up there in Montreal. Um, all right, like I said, you got a couple tough games coming up here against the Jets again. The Jets, uh, let's just switch over to the division as a whole here real quick, Costa, before I let you go. Um, Leafs are rolling. Jets have been able to pick up some points, obviously, against you guys, playing a little better here in second place now. The Sens surprising everybody. They've won the four out of their last six here. The Flames just can't seem to get it going. Uh, trouble in Vancouver, one and four in their last five, and they've got the Hot Leafs tonight. Um, I, I wonder if there's any concern about Green. I know he's been given a vote of confidence there um, with, by management, upper management in Vancouver, but um, it's disappointing to see that team who who had a lot of um, you know a lot of promise there uh, and struggling so much. But uh, you know those those four or five teams there up at the top there, and maybe just a couple of taken where you th- uh, see things shifting. Talked enough about the Oilers last week, uh, but primarily here with the, the Jets and, and the Sens causing a little trouble. And, and the Flames, just like I said, uh, a lot of talent there too, but just can't seem to get their skates out of the mud. Well, look, DJ Smith, like I said previously, he does it right. He's teaching. He taught the guys, you know, how he wants them to play defensively. He's moving it towards transitioning to offense, and the guys on the Senators are picking it up. So that's why you're seeing that success from Ottawa. Uh, when you talk about the Jets, I love Paul Maurice as a coach. I always have, whether he was with the Whalers, the, the you know the, the 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 Hurricanes, the Leafs. He's been around a long time. If I say Whalers, right? So, yeah. you know, he's he's he, he's a very good coach, very distinguished, a long career, and he's a guy that knows how to adapt to any given situation. And he's done that with the Jets. They started slow, but they're starting to progress in the right direction. And the fact that you know he's got um, uh, the, the, what's his name again, the Dupree playing on the wing. I mean, instead of at center, that or uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. Sorry, Dupree. I keep, I keep getting my names mixed up. All good, but Pierre-Luc you know Dubois, me. I'm I'm the best at butchering names. Yeah, of course you butcher mine every week. But anyway, <laughs> Dubois. I'm better. Dubois. <laughs> I know you're getting better. That's why I don't say anything normally. But Dubois has been good for them on the wing as opposed to at center because they had an overflow of centermen, and that was the one thing that we had talked about that I was worried with the Jets is that they have too many centermen with Dubois there. Now they don't. 
They've got him on the wing. He's doing well on the wing, you know, and, and they're starting to generate offense off that because, you know, of course, changing positions is an adaptation for any player. He seemed to adapt it very, very well, and they're starting to move forward with that. So the Jets are going to be just fine. And the funny part is when you look at the Leafs, normally the Leafs by this time of the season are starting to have their little issues internally, whether it's injury, whether it's players not being able to play well. It, it's already happened. That hasn't happened yet. And so, you know, if the, the Leafs continue to trend in this in, in, in this way and continue the season as they are, you know, and they've shown without Matthews that they could still move forward being led by just Mitch Marner. I mean, who could step up his game anytime because he, he's an all-world type player. Yeah, suddenly everybody in, in, in Montreal starting to think, okay, wait a minute. I'm not going to be able to make my you-can't-win-a-cup joke anymore because it looks like they're going to win the cup this year. <laughs> so that's been the funniest thing. You know, and, and like you want to see the Leafs succeed. You know, I'm, I'm one guy. I, I hate the Leafs as a fan, but you want to see the Leafs succeed for the good of the league. You know, so, I mean, they need to win and they need to win now. And the same holds true for Montreal. If Montreal doesn't win now, then Mark Bergevin's job, he's wiped the slate clean with everybody. The only one left is him. So now if anything goes wrong, it's all going to fall on the general manager. So he's really put the target on himself now. He did that once with Michel Terrier. He's done it again now where it's strictly his game. And so if things do not go well for Montreal moving forward from this point, he's in trouble. And, you know, you look at the Flames. We talked, we said the Flames, right? You know, the Flames picked up pretty much all the garbage from Vancouver and brought it over to their team. That's what you get. <laughs> You've got a team that's in complete disarray. And looking at Vancouver, finally, like you mentioned it, right? I love Travis Keane. He's a good coach. He's got a lousy general manager. Benning has to go for that team to succeed. That's it. That's it. All right. That's it. I didn't look at that angle, but I like it, man. And you would know more That's, than me. It's the, only, it's the only thing, man. You look at him. He's done nothing to augment that team. you got guys like Besser. You've got guys like Horvat. You know, you've, he's taken away the defense. He's taken away their number one goaltender. He's giving him nothing in return to augment those positions. So if you're going to downgrade everywhere, you can't expect your team to succeed. And that's not on your coach. That's on management. Good call, brother. And keep an eye on those Canucks. As far as Toronto's concerned, they're already mapping out the parade route, buddy, up there. So, Yeah, they, they only have one street in Toronto. They, they can't pronounce. It's called Young. <laughs> Oh, man, great stuff as always. Mr. Costa Papoulias talking halves in the North Division. Costa, you're the best, man. Thanks so much for hanging with me again this week. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll do this again, man. Go Habs. You got it, brother. Take care, buddy. Costa, baby. Cologne it like it is, as he always does. And THS rolls on. All right, it's time to head out to the great city of Chicago, as we always do here on Thursdays at THS, and talk some Blackhawks and the Central Division with our good friend, Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. Oh, you know, the sun is out in Chicago, so being indoors, uh, well, it's a little chilly today, but uh, look forward to getting outdoors more frequently. Hopefully getting indoors and watching some events in the not-too-distant future as some of the doors start to open up in Chicago. Hopefully get in the seats and watch uh, some hockey before the end of this season, but we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but, yeah, we got baseball coming, which is always a, a good sign that warmth is around the corner not too far. <laughs> you guys all excited for uh, Tony La Russa there and the White Sox and stuff? <laughs> uh, I <laughs> 
you know, we've in the past we've talked. I about know he likes a good drink tab. <laughs> you know, we uh, we've talked about uh, you know the, the tort situation in Columbus, and I think the great fear with Larusa managing the young White Sox uh, is got an old guy who's very much a put your head down and play guy coming into a team that has spent the last three or four years marketing itself under the kids can play flip your bat live life to the fullest mantra so it seemed kind of counter brand for them to bring Larusa in especially you know he's already in the hall of fame so going back to work after you get inducted is a huge no-no um <laughs> And the fact that he's been gone for a decade, I mean, some of these kids that he's going to be managing were still wearing diapers when he was managing <laughs> Pujols in St. Louis. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But that team's got a ton of talent. And I think both both baseball teams in Chicago should be competitive this year. So it'll it'll be an interesting baseball season. But, you know, we can prognosticate all we want. But ultimately, they've got to play the games. And the fun part about uh, what hockey has taught us in Chicago is, you could think that they're a dumpster fire and they will prove you wrong as much as they possibly can. 100%. Hey, on that uh, note with the fans, uh, are, they, when, are they doing that yet in Chicago? I mean, we just started here last week in New York, fans in the Garden, the Coliseum, and in Jersey for the Devils and the Isles too, uh, with the Rangers. Uh, really cool to, to see it happening here in the Northeast. What's the story in Chicago? Uh, right now, uh, nothing yet. Um, there have been rumors floating around that they want to get some level of capacity for the Cubs and White Sox when they start, which would be April. Um, just within the last couple of weeks, they they made the United Center actually a, a massive uh, vaccination site in the city of Chicago. They're hoping to crank about 6,000 people a day through the wow. United Center to, to vaccinate folks. So obviously that probably alters what they're able to do timeline wise and how many people they're able to get through there and how those two things coexist. But, um, but I do think, you know, the hope is that obviously outdoor, indoor, a little bit different, but I think there is hope now as the numbers seem to be trending in the right direction and more and more people in the greater Chicago area are getting vaccinated. Hopefully we're able to get some butts and seats before the end of the NHL season, because this team is certainly, earning having some people in the seats when we we joked when we started you know at the beginning of the season about you know maybe maybe this was a good year to to hit the rebuild button because you weren't going to get booed out of your building <laughs> but now i think they're playing well enough that you kind of hope that they're able to get some people in the seat so that they can hear the ovation you know the other night when patrick kane got his 400th career goal uh you know it it, it did kind of hurt a little bit that kaner wasn't able to do that and and get the response from the fans that he's brought to their collective feet so many times in Chicago. So hopefully at some point this year, no Kaner's coming up on his, he's uh, he's four games away from hitting a thousand in the NHL for the regular season. So they'll start the road, his first, you know, knock on wood, he stays healthy in the lineup, but uh, he'll start this long road trip that's coming up uh, with his 1000th career regular season game. So um, those are, those are benchmarks for a guy that's meant as much to a franchise like Chicago that, you really, and you know, I, I think I felt it a little bit, especially, you know, with Chara going back to Boston, um, you know, to have the video montage play, but he didn't get the standing ovation he deserved. Yeah. Um, and so you, you, you kind of hope at some point that you got some butts in the seats so that 
folks like Kane and Chara can really get the the respect and and feel how much they've meant to their meant to their fan bases over the years. Yeah, well, that just means that Daniel's got to play another year, so we got to get him back. <laughs> I mean, we, we joked at the beginning of the season, oh, he's going to be a seventh defenseman, whatever. He has been a really important part of that defense Huge. in Washington, and yeah. he's playing like he might have some enough gas in the tank that a 21-22 campaign might not be cra- as crazy as we thought it might have been a couple months ago. So kudos to him for that. But, yeah, I, I hope we get some people in the seats, um, especially, you know, I, we don't know what the playoff scenario is going to look like yet, but I really kind of hope that we get some butts in the seats by then so that these teams that have really worked hard in some tough circumstances can feel the love from their fans. Yeah, and just watching it uh, here, myself uh, being a fan here, just seeing it on the uh, the game and no fake crowd noise and, and actually just seeing uh, fans in the building. The players are responding to it too. They just love it, so it's uh, it's great stuff, and hopefully the, that'll trend in the right direction out in the Midwest as well too. So let's talk about these Hawks here. 23 games played, 12-7-4, three in a row. Um, starting tonight uh, with the Bolts coming up uh, all at home before games with Dallas and Florida next week. Since we last spoke, they went 1-2 and two with win versus Columbus, then split the wings, uh, losing 5-3, and then winning 7-2, obviously, with Kaner getting his uh, 400th goal there uh, on Sunday night. So, um, like I said, three games to really talk about here. Um, anything that you saw shift or change uh, in between the two wins and the loss here uh, that the guys just went through? Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, I think Patrick Kane stole the headlines with his 400th goal. And obviously coming in a five-goal outburst in the third period against Detroit was terrific. Uh, Kevin Lankinen actually played out of his mind in that game. Um, You know, not the greatest night for Malcolm Subban. After pitching his first shutout in Columbus, he came back on Saturday against Detroit. Um, didn't have the best night that he probably would have wanted. I, I would submit that the guys in front of him didn't do much to help. Um, but with games Saturday, Sunday, usually you see teams that are going to flip goaltenders between those and Lankinen came back and the Blackhawks did not play a great defensive game, but Lankinen stopped 44 out of 46, uh, and really kept them in the game until they exploded for five in the third period. Um, which led to Mr. Thomas Grice shattering his stick at one point over the (laughs) goalpost, which probably will not be the last time that a goaltender loses his mind uh, on the Red Wings in front of him. But no, I mean, I think, look, we've, I think what we've talked about throughout this season is you got to get points when you can get points. And Columbus is, is struggling a little bit right now. You, those are games that you got to pick up. The Hawks won one in a shootout, and the other one was the shutout for Subban. Um, that's what you got to do uh, after dropping a regulation game in Carolina, and you know after you drop you know, a game against Detroit, a, a team that you should be beating if you're a playoff team, to come back and hang a touchdown and get the extra point against them. Sunday was great to see. So, you know, February was a really good month for the Blackhawks. Patrick Kane obviously led the league in points. He was absolutely on fire. I think Lankinen really solidified his spot as, as one of the certainly one of the potential finalists, if not the front runner for the Calder with a strong month. But March is gonna be your litmus test. They have not played either team from Florida since those first four games when they gave up twenty goals in four contests. Yeah. And now they've got like you said, they've got three in a row, Thursday, Friday, Sunday at home against Tampa, and then they go on the road to two in Dallas, two in Florida, two in Tampa, and then they come home for the Panthers. So the next three weeks will tell you if the Chicago Blackhawks are a viable playoff team uh, and how far they've come. Or 
it'll just remind you that this is a really top-heavy division and that Tampa, Florida, and really with some games missed, Carolina are clearly the top three, and from there it's really a crapshoot. But I think the Blackhawks can do a lot to convince people that they've taken a big step forward since those first four games and show you what they what they're worth. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, a great test uh, on, on tap for them, and uh, I'm pumped for it because I definitely want to see how they uh, they plug through this uh, upcoming schedule. I wanted to focus a little bit on the defense here. You know, a lot of shots there, obviously, against Detroit, uh, against. Uh, but just looking down these um, these these your your back six here, Connor Murphy, 27 years old, Duncan Keith, the old man at 37, uh, Nikita Zadorov here, 25 years, uh, Calvin DeHaan, 29. Ian Mitchell, 20, and Adam Boyquist uh, round things out, also at 20 uh, years old. Um, Colladin seems to be spreading out the, the, the ice time pretty evenly to most of these guys. Obviously, uh, Murphy and, and, and Duncan Keith getting uh, the bulk of the wake here, uh, time in the ice for 20, 25 minutes. But um, just I was looking at the other guys' average, 20 minutes you know, a piece, and, and even Mitchell, 17, and Boyquist down at 16. So, so this core, this defensive core in terms of um, – you know whether uh, star names because, like I said, you got Kaner up front, you got the Brinkat, you got a lot of these guys spreading the scoring out, and that's been the exciting thing. And we've talked about it here. Uh, you saying how entertaining they are, um, but talk about this this back six now with Keith there. Uh, basically, you know, Dehan there, obviously the other experienced guy, but a kind of a young core that they're they're working through in front of um, you know Lankin and stuff and, and Subban. Yeah, well, you know, I think we've talked throughout this year about one of the big tasks that Jeremy Colton was going to have was finding ice time and getting guys comfortable working together. And I think up front to the credit of some of the young guys, they've been able to interchange some of the roles pretty evenly throughout the year. But on the blue line, I think it it works much better when you're able to kind of establish roles. And uh, Adam Boquist missed uh, a big chunk of time having COVID and you know, he's bounced back fairly well from that. Um, he was running the, the number one power play unit before he got sick. Uh, they've brought him back in that role, and he's got, you know, five of his eight points to date have come on the advantage. But he's only played in 12 out of the 23 games. Uh, and right when he was about to come back, Connor Murphy missed six games. Yeah. So he's he's just kind of, I think he's three games back since he was out. So um, you've, you've got a lot of you know, missing pieces and, and moving parts. Nicholas Baudin is a young guy that we've talked about a lot on this show who I really like the game of. He's got five points in 11 games, getting 14 minutes a night, was starting to get some action on both of the special teams. Uh, when when Boquist came back, they kind of made the decision that they wanted him to continue developing. He's another young 20-year-old drafted in the same first round as Boquist, and they want him to really continue his development. And so he got sent down to the AHL. They're not going to waste his time on the taxi squad watching. They want him to get some heavy minutes in Rockford. So, um, you know, that that was an interesting move because I think a lot of people really liked what they were seeing from him. But Boquist, uh, I think they've got a higher ceiling pegged on him. Mm-hmm. But I think he's really been passed up this year by Ian Mitchell, who, again, you know, the four points in 23 games maybe don't tell you the story with him. I think he's looked more comfortable than – a first-year professional player you would expect him to. Uh, the points will be there. He's got great offensive instincts, and he's really spent the lion's share of the last half of what we've seen so far this season starting games being paired with Duncan Keith. And so when you think about the old and the young together, great mentor for a young puck mover, obviously. Uh, multiple Norse trophies. Uh, 
just watching him, much less being on the ice with him and learning from him is huge. Uh, but that kid has shown a lot of leadership ability too. He's a captain at DU. So um, there's still, it's still a work in progress back there. I, I think a lot of people would like to see more from Zadorov, but you just have to own what he is. And that's a guy that's going to try and put guys into the third row on their wallet and a guy that's got a big, heavy shot, uh, but he's not going to skate like the rest of the defensemen. Um, and that's created some issues at times, but I think Murphy, DeHaan have both showed, you know, great ability to work with different young guys this season. So it's still a work in progress on the back end, but you're right. Calton's spreading the ice time around. He's starting to mix up the special teams a little bit. And uh, as long as Lankinen keeps holding his end of the bargain up and you can score five goals while giving up 46 shots, <laughs> obviously the 46 isn't good, but I think the seven uh, is what you're aiming for. Uh, so, you know, I think as, as you get more comfortable with Boquist and Murphy, being back from their injuries and, and establishing some more established rotations, you'll you'll see a little bit more continuity back there. Absolutely. Well, like I said, we we've talked about you know uh, you know Carlton's just got a nice little mold here going on. And again, I think with the test coming up here uh, against the the Lightning and, and the Cats uh, coming up, and and you know Dallas has been struggling, but still uh, it should be good stuff to see what happens here. Uh, Tab, forgive me, but what where is um what's the status on Seabrook? Where what's what's yeah. going on with him? So uh, Stan Bowman a couple of days ago uh, was asked about that. He's skating on his own. He had m- multiple procedures done. He had, a, I think, a shoulder and both hips worked on when they shut him down around Christmas last year. And obviously it's going to take a while to come back from that. With the layoff, he actually practiced with the team before the bubble. Um, but made the veteran move to not make himself an option for Jeremy Colleton in the bubble um, and not push himself in his service. He, he worked his butt off. He is still working his butt off uh, and is trying to get himself back into game shape. The problem is uh, the back flared up on him a little bit at the beginning of training camp, uh, and he had a setback with that. And right now, the you know, the rock in the hard place is he's a guy whose leadership you would kill to have in the lineup. Uh, but you need him to be healthy. And so um, right now they're kind of in a, a wait-and-see mode with Brent Seabrook, hoping that that back gets right. But he's still working his butt off. You still see him at the rink. Uh, and he's still really trying to get himself back into a place where he can be a contributor because for years he played through hurt. And last year he finally made the decision that he needed to go get some work done, and it ended up being three separate procedures, both hips and his shoulder, which – as a defenseman, those are one of those is a big deal. To have all three of them uh, is really tough, and and so now that we've got a back issue to deal with, which undoubtedly is is you know something that's come from compensating for two hips and a shoulder, um, you know, as a guy who has really enjoyed watching him play and and the leadership that he brings, obviously, I think he's a guy that you'd love to see get back into the Indian head and and make a difference for the Blackhawks, but. With what they've got rolling right now, it's you know it's tough to see where they'd find ice time for him. Yeah, obviously he'd be a guy who could push the door off a little bit, but um, but you hope that he can get back healthy enough that he can be a contributor because he means a lot to this team off the ice and on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one way or another, depending on how the Hawks go the rest of the season, 
And then even going into the next season uh, on a high here, I mean, like I said, there's a good base that's being built here in Chicago as far as going forward. Um, that if, even if it doesn't happen this year, just even the thought of maybe Seabrook and Taze coming back next year and joining this squad that's uh, gaining so much experience and having success uh, this season. Last thing on the Hawks here is uh, is obviously the you know the main guy back there and Duncan Keith. Um, you know, you talk about Seabrook and, and, you know, we talk about Char and, you know, you can go up and down the league with, um, you know, just top veteran defensemen. You can go up and down all over the place. But Keith is, um, and I guess more or less I'm, I'm looking to kind of peg you as far as commenting on how he survived, you know, his stamina at 37, still taking on all that ice and playing punishing hockey. And, you know, even the years ago, like I said, with Kaner and Taze and all the guys who won the Cups, and they were just some brutal, brutal playoff series to get there and, and for the championships and win here. Um, what makes Duncan Keith tick, man? What keeps him going? Um, you know, in Chicago, we were blessed for part of his career uh, to enjoy the services of Chris Chelios. And I think he's one of the very few guys that I would – favorably compared Duncan Keith to you know this is a guy who appears to be ageless uh, you know he's 37 years old and he's giving you 24 minutes a night he's able to contribute on both special teams um, you know he's got four assists on the power play so far this season um, but just work ethic is second to none uh, and you know, there's an element of, for the, for the comic book folks out there, there's almost a Wolverine type element here because this dude, I mean, you know, there people in Chicago will always remember him taking a puck to the mouth during a playoff game, losing half of his grill, uh, getting, you know, a little something put on it to stabilize what was still there and coming back in the same game. I mean, this dude's a warrior. Um, he's been through a ton on the ice and continues to just give you everything that he's got. Now he's not, I would say one of the, you know, 10 fastest skaters in the league, like he was back in the day. Um, but at the same time, he still moves well. And as you see with a lot of older guys and you bring up guys like Chara, I think Shea Weber's in that club, uh, drew Doughty, you know, certainly a number of years younger than Keith, but you know, what makes you a great hockey player and what makes you a hall of famer. And I, I would, comfortably say Duncan Keith is a lock for the hall is that when uh, the body isn't what it was when you were young and you can get away with mental mistakes because you're physically that good. Uh, if you want to be a hall of famer, when the body isn't making up for the mistakes, the brain has to keep you out of those mistakes. And he has become a much smarter player. Uh, and he's a leader. He's worn the A for a decade in this town. And uh, when they hang two in the rafters, there'll be an A next to it. He, he is absolutely a guy that they rely on, uh, you know, when you talk about the cup teams, uh, there's no one left on the blue line with Seabrook out of the lineup from those cup teams, except him. Jalmerson's moved on. Seabrook is hurt. Oduya's retired. Brian Campbell's an, an advisor and an ambassador for the Blackhawks. You know, he's, he's the only guy left, and yeah. he's still giving you 24 minutes a night. He has not faded into the sunset, as you might expect a 37-year-old to do. He's still your number one guy. Uh, and that speaks to just work ethic and an, a, a borderline inhuman ability to just keep going. Uh, he has a natural ab- stamina that is just uh, rare. Feels like I'm underselling <laughs> his ability to just keep going. So 
he's been special to watch for 15 years and and i don't think he's anywhere close to done uh, that's good stuff man uh great great little touch there on uh on duncan keith no doubt of it all the true and uh yeah i agree with you man i hope uh he sticks around for a few more years too as well at least so we get the fans back in the building over the next couple of seasons, no doubt about it. All right, so last thing before I let you go here, Tab, like we always do, a little touch on the Central Division. Um, Tampa still leading the division there. Canes behind them, Cats, Hawks in fourth, CBJ, uh, Preds, Wings. And I wanted to focus just a little bit on the Stars here. Um, they had a week off there, um, February 14th through the 20th. They came back, went one and two in three versus the Cats. Um, two shootout uh, losses there by the Bolts, I believe, in the last two. Uh, and they've got back-to-back with uh, starting with CBJ tonight, uh, and then uh, the Preds, and then the Hawks coming up as well, too. Um, you talk like names like Pavelski, Ben, uh, Casiano, and Como, and then the other guy in Nets there, Kubitin. This is a team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals here last year. Uh, just a little take on, on, on maybe what the issues may or may not be in Dallas amongst this uh, obviously very talented Central Division. Well, the one name that you didn't list who is not available is Tyler Sagan. Oh yeah, that's and right. I, I think that that's a big that's a big loss up front to injury, um, but I mean, I, yeah, you look at their schedule and it's you start late, you're dealing with COVID, you got guys who are sick, guys who are coming back from being sick, and then you get a layoff. You finally feel like you're maybe going to have some consistency on your schedule and be able to catch up with these games, and then you get a week off because Dallas is frozen over, so. You know they are, you know, looking up at the standings. They've De- Detroit's played the most games in the division at twenty-five, and then Jackets twenty-four, Blackhawks twenty-three. They're still sitting at seventeen. Yeah, and um, I think the the biggest issue with Dallas right now, with the lack of consistent game play, has been exactly the inverse of what we just talked about a little bit with the Chicago Blackhawks. And that yeah, is when you get on right. the ice, you got to make a dent in the, in the standings. Yeah. And even though they've only played 17, they're one, six and three in their last 10. And you can't have five points out of 10 games. If you want to be a playoff team at any point in the season, but when you've got an upstart Blackhawks team rolling seven, three and oh, um, you know, that that's going to be your difference maker. That's a big difference in the standings. And right now, Granted, 16 points in 17 games, that really kind of puts them on a trajectory to be around where Columbus is at, but that's the five spot in the division. And, um, you know, having lost three in a row, and then they've got the Blackhawks coming in, which I think three months ago you would have thought, okay, well, that's where we can maybe start rolling. Not anymore. Yeah. And so they really, I mean, that I would submit that, Dallas and Jersey are the two toughest coaching jobs in the National Hockey League this season because of the number of games that they've had rearranged, moved, the number of key players that they've had missing because of COVID and other injuries. I mean, it's damn near impossible for a team like Dallas to develop any chemistry and consistency on the ice with some of the new faces that they have when you you're off, you get a late start and then you're off for an extra week and then you're trying to play catch up and then you miss another random week because of the weather. And obviously you're worried about stuff at home. Let's not forget the fact that yeah. this isn't a normal environment where you, you can you go, guys can go out and grab lunch together and, and, and build some chemistry away from the ice. I mean, there are, there are a lot of restrictions still on these guys and they're handcuffed from doing a lot of the stuff, especially on the road where they're two, five and one 
you know, it's it's really really tough, and they had a long season. You know, anytime you go to the Stanley Cup final, it's a, it's a short off season. But this time, with the way that everything played out, it's it's going to feel even shorter. And then when you've got you know big gaps of stuff missing, and it's just going to get harder for Dallas. Those eight games that they've got in hand on Detroit have to get made up at some point, and the calendar does not stop flipping pages so that you can play catch up, and you're not going to play double headers like in baseball. And so the the schedule's not going to do them any favors from here out because they got to make up eight games. Uh, certainly, you know they're only three behind Tampa, but they got to make those games up at some point. And yeah. stay, and when you start getting a more crowded schedules, when injuries become more probable, also. So uh, I think the a big big litmus test for them will be when Chicago comes to town next week. They're a team that Dallas is now chasing. Those are games that they've got to get points in. They're at home. Uh, and they've really got to start finding ways to really, ironically, follow the Blackhawks' model of every single night. You've got to make a dent in the standings if you want to climb back into the playoff picture because Tampa, Carolina, and Florida are going nowhere. Uh, they are, they are, I think, clearly established playoff teams right now, barring some type of a really significant rash of injuries on any of those three rosters. I think they're they're pretty safely in the playoff picture right now. And Chicago's five points up on Columbus, and they're 12 points up on Dallas with six games in hand. Well, if you're two points a night, that means that the six games that Dallas makes up all have to be wins with nobody else doing anything. So they, they are looking Ooh. at a very steep hill to climb, and with no Sagan and with the time that they've missed, they need to hit the, they got to hit the accelerator immediately to borrow from Eddie Olchek, immediately. Um, <laughs> To, to to start that climb. They can't have an off night. They really can't afford an off night, much less another one, six, and three stretch of 10 this season because they are behind the eight ball in every possible way. The 46 goals in 17 games is terrific. Yeah. The 47 that they've allowed in those 17 is ugly. And, and certainly that continuity not being there is a big factor in that. So let's not ignore that. But they they don't have any off nights left on the schedule. To be blunt, they they've got to they've got to get a point just about every night uh, to climb back into this thing. And Chicago doesn't look like they're going to go anywhere. So, um, so we'll, I think a lot of eyes around the NHL will be on Dallas. We'll see what the leadership in the room looks like. We'll see what the coaching staffs got put together. But uh, but coming out of a, a Stanley Cup final appearance. You expect more from a team, and to, to fall as far as they have is pretty stunning. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Maybe they can co- give Buffalo a call and poach a couple guys, <laughs> maybe a coach or two. Um, but yeah, D- Dallas. I think a lot of people around the the National Hockey League will have their eyes on Dallas as they try and catch up how they're able to weather the storm, literally and figuratively, down there in Dallas, and, and try and come back from this because they've dug themselves a serious hole. Yeah, great points, Tab, all around, no doubt about it. And in a 56-game season, the heat is on, no doubt, in Dallas. They got a lot of work to uh, catch up on, and they got their work cut out for them. That's what I really meant to say. But I'm still learning English here. Oh, my God. Tab, you're the best as always, man. Great take on the Hawks and the Central Division, and we'll see what the Stars do. Look, next week should be a lot of fun. We'll see how these Hawks do against these uh, challenging games coming up. But as always, stay healthy, yeah. stay great, and have a great weekend. And, uh We'll see you next week on THS, buddy. Thanks. Sounds good. We will talk to you again soon. Got it. Ted Bamford, ladies and gentlemen, as always, talking Hawks.
and the Central Division right here on THS. And THS rolls on. All right. It's time now to head out to the left coast, the west coast, the best coast. Well, it all depends on where you are. But right now, it's time to bring on our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo from the great state of California via New Jersey. And we're going to talk some Western Division hockey and a little take on the New Jersey Devils, as we always do. Steve-O, welcome back, brother. How you doing? Fantastic, buddy. I'm uh, happy to be here. I uh, love our our, meek, our weekly meeting, so uh, just enjoying. I'm, I'm on the road, so if you hear some noise, that's just uh, that's just the California traffic. So that's all right. I know it's. I know the California traffic can be uh, a bit tricky out there, but um, <laughs> you know we only got the you know the southern and the southern Parkway here, and a couple of things we got to worry about to get uh, over the over the bridges here in Long Island, Island New Expressway. York. I, that, that is not not fun. <laughs> You gotta hit it at the right time, and unfortunately, Steve-O, there is no right time to hit it. <laughs> That's the issues. All right, buddy. So look, you focus on the road here, and I'm gonna hit you up with some questions here. Um, let's start with um, let's flip things around here a little bit, and let's start uh, with the Western Division here too, and, and and a team that you know very well, and a team that's struggling uh, as we look here at this uh, Western Division here, as far as the standings go. Um, just, uh, just a little gander here at the, the, the two teams that uh, play in your area, but, but, but definitely a focus here on Anaheim. So look, we'll go from the top. Vegas is still kicking butt up there. St. Louis holding at the second spot, Colorado, you know, doing what they're doing there in third Minnesota, having a lot of fun now with Zuccarello, uh, in the lineup there and, uh, Kirill, the dollar bill is they're calling them now. Um, and then bottoming out the four is the Yotes, the Kings, San Jose, but, the Anaheim Ducks, man, have lost eight in a row. What is the story, pal? You know, it, it's – I mean, this is – I feel like a broken record, but it's unwatchable hockey right now. And you got to think that Dallas Eakins, even though his tenure is short, had such – you know, so much success in San Diego that he's, his leash is getting a lot shorter now because there's just no inspiration um, in that team. They're, they're – you know, John Gibson can't do it all, and now – He's being hung out to dry in a lot of cases, and they're blowing big leads. Um, you know, they put uh, Adam Henrique on waivers, um, hoping that someone would claim him. He, you know, he came back in the lineup, scored a goal, but it still wasn't enough. Uh, Trevor, the story of Trevor Zegers, the shine has kind of wore off because they're still not scoring any goals with any regularity. Uh, you know, he got his first official NHL point. He had he had got one earlier in his time up there, but they it was taken back. Um, but, you know, there's just so much, so many problems with that team right now. Cam Fowler doesn't look right. Uh, Ryan Getzloff is looking every bit his age now. Adam Henrique, who was their leading scorer last year, cannot, you know, buy a goal. Uh, it's just, it's the whole thing is a mess. And you don't see any, I mean, obviously, like I said, bringing up Eakins on the hot seat there maybe, but um, you don't you don't see this. You know, I was talking to Joe earlier, you know, the Sabres are struggling themselves. There's a couple of teams here in the league that just can't find their groove. Uh, all yeah. different circumstances, you know, talking to Tab before about Dallas. And, you know, if it's not COVID, it's uh, the ice storm in Dallas, you know, breaking up their rhythm. They've got so much work to catch up. Uh, you know, the Devils obviously getting hit with the COVID bug. Other teams, too. Um, but, you know, Anaheim, there just, just doesn't seem to be any kind of answer here or 
or do you welcome a change? Are you are you hot for now? You know, getting him out of there and saying, "Hey, look, scrap this. It's not happening." Or do you take this in a COVID season and say, "Just ride it out and, and give it a fresh start next year"? Yeah, I, I think it would be a little premature to get rid of Eakins. I think you know he's a good coach. Um, I think he he's very good for the young players. I just think that Anaheim is a dinosaur. They've, they've hung on to their core for too long. At some point, it, it things have got to be shuffled up, you know, shuffled. Ryan Getzloff is the heart and soul of that team. But, you know, as he goes, the team goes. And right now, he's not going. And, he, you know, he's gotten slower and slower over the last couple of years. He still managed to be able to produce some points. But, uh, you know, they, they've – when they were – they had all this influx of defensive talent, but they seem to – keep the wrong pieces and export the, you know, the pieces that could have helped this team develop. I mean, not protecting Shea Theodore looks like an all-time blunder um, when they were trying to protect some of the other guys who are no longer on this team anymore, uh, guys like Montour and Sammy Vatten. And, you know, it, uh, oof, I just think it's time to, you know, they're talking about trading Eichel and all this stuff in Buffalo and whether that happens you know, obviously that'd be the talk of the NHL, but I think in with with the the Ducks, they I, I know for sure they would like to get rid of uh, not get rid of, but you know, remove that Adam Con, uh, Adam Henry contract that looks terrible now. Uh, Ryan Getzloff's in the last year of his deal. He might be someone who might be interested in going to a contender with you know another chance to try to have some playoff success. Uh, I just think that they gotta you know, if not blow the whole thing up break it down and, and just kind of start with the young guys and see what they can do. Similar to what they've done in New Jersey and LA and some of these other places where they do, they, they're going with a full youth movement and just kind of see what they have in the organization. Absolutely. And last thing on the ducks here, Steve is, uh, you know, a kid like John Gibson, I mean, he's 27 now, but just an incredibly talented guy. He's still getting a bulk of the ice time here and playing in these losses. Um, as far as him, uh, how he carries himself, Concerned about him at all uh, the rest of the way, if more than anything uh, beyond his future here? You know, he's a guy who's who's dealt with some injuries in the past, too. You know, he's had groin issues and he's had concussion issues and he's had a variety of different things. And I just feel like he's getting the, the bulk of the work and he's taking shot after shot after shot. That's got to start to break down the body. And once the goalies start running into these leg and groin issues, you know, their their career starts to decline rapidly after that. And I just worry that. They're going to run him into the ground, and, and he's not going to come out the same goalie. I mean, he's a he's an outstanding goalie. Um, he's just a pleasure to watch. He's probably the only thing that's really pleasurable about this team right now. But I would just hate to see, you know, their their stubbornness or their lack or, or unwillingness to to kind of deviate from what they've done the last few years, kind of you know, you know, lead to him kind of declining faster than we'd like to see him because. Yeah, goaltending in NHL is vitally important, and without goaltending, the Ducks would be, I, I would, I mean, eighth row. Geez, that seems light compared to what it would be had they had, you know, didn't have Gibson stealing some games with them earlier in the year. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's such a talented kid, man, and, uh, you know, you start thinking about, you know, the whole losing culture stuff, and, and you know, 25 games in here, you know, with everybody in between 21 and 25 games uh, for the season right now in a 56-game season, man, it's, oof, if, you know, you're not going to get a sniff they, here. At the, go ahead. They don't have any of the COVID excuses. They've played the most games in the division, you know, and they've they've had chance to uh, to kind of play the season as it's supposed to be played, and, 
you know, they don't, they're not dealing with weather issues and stuff. They're just not a very good team. And, you know, the last couple of seasons we saw them, you know, really start to fall off. But this year it just seems to, you know, all come to a head right now. So it's, it's not a good, not a good situation in Anaheim at all. No, it's time to, it's time to trade everybody. And Steve also changed that God awful logo. Let's change, change it. <laughs> Let's get rid of the spaceship. I like that logo. <laughs> Bring back the old, uh, the, I mean, uh, the, the old Ducks logo is fine with me with the face mask and the, the sticks. Yep. But uh, anyway, uh, we wish them well in Anaheim. You bring up some great points there, you know, especially, like I said, they've uh, really had no excuses. Uh, it's just a tough rut. And like I said, in a 56-game season, man, at this point, you know, it's not like you got, um, you know, 60 games to go. Um, nope. it's it, it might be all over for quite a handful of teams here uh, across the league. Um Nothing else surprising you here up top. Steady as she goes here as far as the Knights and the Blues and the Avs. And, and obviously the Minnesota Wild here have been a little bit of fun uh, uh, making a bit of noise here. But anything else you want to point out here in the Southwestern Division before we move on to your New Jersey Devils? Well, the, you know, these, these games between Minnesota and Vegas have been fantastic. I game the other night when uh, Minnesota, this is the first time I really like, you know, took the time to sit down and watch an entire Minnesota game and just kind of get the feel for that them. And they were, I mean, they were a pleasure to watch. They grabbed that, that two goal lead, but it was almost more enjoyable watching how Vegas uh, came back in that game. And Mark Stone is just an unbelievable hockey player. Five assists in that game. Another multi point game last night. Uh, I'm just that team is, is something else. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and and Flurry, the way he's rebounded, he had a rough game the other night. They still pull out the win. He's fantastic, keeps his team in, and they end up running away with it. Uh, just, you know, Minnesota is a lot better than I think anybody who's not paying attention, you know, really understands. They're just a really good team, and they're going to be one that is definitely going to be, you know, you know, uh, fighting for one of those top three spots up there. You know, Colorado's got their, their injury issues. McKinnon may be out for a long time with that hit last night. So he's been inconsistent. Colorado can't score goals. St. Louis is kind of hit or miss. They're dealing with their injury issues. So really could be an opportunity for a team like Minnesota to, to grab one of the top three spots. And I just fully expect Vegas to, to win that division. They're that good. Although yeah. those golden helmets are horrific. <laughs> I don't know, man. They're, they're kind of growing on me a little bit. But then again, I'm, I'm not watching them every night. I, I, I heard there's a rumor you have to watch the game with sunglasses. That's... It is, it is tough. You do get used to it after a while, but, you know, <laughs> my, I call them their golden buckets, and uh, I just want to throw up in them. That's, that's what I feel like when I'm looking well, at Well, let me ask you this. Uh, do you have any love for Notre Dame, you know? I just – I'm not a real big fan of the shiny metallic on the helmets and stuff like that. I'm really not. I, I like I the, just. The, I thought you might just be another Notre Dame hater, you know, because everybody hates Notre no, Dame. You know? <laughs> I'm just a shiny hater. I hate All right. shine. <laughs> Don't send Steve any shiny objects for the holidays, <laughs> all right? Unless it's a cup. Yes, unless it's a silver shiny uh, Stanley Cup, something that the uh, New Jersey Devils haven't won in quite some time. Uh, tough way to segue there for you, Steve-O, but um, <laughs> you do have a handful of them. It's, it's all good. So, look, um, let's talk about these guys. Um, 18 games played, 7 9 and 2, 16 points. Uh, my New York Rangers on tap tonight, the last time you played us. You beat us up, and uh, hopefully we'll get a little bit of re- revenge on you guys tonight. You guys might be uh, ripe for the taking. So since we last spoke last week, one and three, uh, win versus Sabres, then back-to-back loss to the Caps and a two-and-loss to the Isles this past Tuesday. 
The coolest thing I've seen is the retro jersey. I love that. And the fans back at the building at The Rock. So do you have any cool things to say about your New New Jersey Devils in the last few games? No. (laughs) I mean, the jerseys are cool, but, uh, you know, the the things they did so well early in the season, the the play they were getting from their defensemen, the puck pressure that they were putting on other teams, it's all kind of gone away. And they've, you know, that, that Islander game was, was uh, you know, shades of last season. It was downright boring uh, as far as their, the way that they played that game. And that, that might have had something to do with the Islanders, but the Devils just haven't been as hungry on the puck. Defensemen are, have resorted to, you know, turning the puck over. You know, P.K. Subban showing signs of you know what we saw last year Dmitry Kulikov who was uh so outstanding to start the season has been uh not looking so sharp Ryan Murray's been a healthy scratch three games in a row uh who you know many of us thought was the devil's most steady defensive defenseman and I guess Lindy Ruff doesn't see it that way and he's been sitting down and uh the special teams have been awful and if you're not getting any five on five play and your special teams are awful and uh, you're just not going to win a lot of hockey games, especially against teams like Washington that are so good on their special teams, their, especially their power play. Um, yeah, it was just – it was kind of something we, we, we would expect from a team that's growing like that, the kind of ups and the downs. And now it's it's how are they going to respond? I know Lindy, they had a uh, – he called a – what he calls his his leadership group, his six players, uh, excluding Heischer, who's out with another injury, took a puck to the face mask. And so he's been out again, um, sat down with uh, Severson and, and Hughes, P.K. Subban, Travis Sajak, and uh, Carl Palmieri. And they, they had just a closed-door meeting, talked about where the team goes from here. They drastically shuffled the line. So the Rangers are going to see a completely different lineup than they've seen the previous times that they faced the season. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see how the team responds um, going forward. You know, they're kind of settling in at the bottom of the division where most people thought they would be. So, you know, it, I, I'm curious. I, I still enjoy watching them. I think they have the potential to win a few games. Um, but they really have to start doing those things that they did in the beginning of the season or they have no shot. And, you know, the one thing that was concerning over the weekend is Mackenzie Blackwood, who uh, dealt with the COVID issues for so long, he's looked human. And that's not good. He was superhuman to start the season. And we're seeing a lot of players who have dealt with these COVID issues, you know, start to affect them. They come out, they play well, and then they they still have some lingering effects to it. You know, this is all throughout the league. So I'm just curious how that's going to, you know, how he's going to be as the season progresses. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's some scary stuff how it is uh, or it may possibly be affecting uh you know, certain guys who've uh, come down with it throughout the year here. Um, you know, we you were optimistic last week. You know, like I said, I told you it was, a, it was a brutal schedule they got coming up here. I mean, we're at a point now, like I said, talking about the Ducks and, and pretty much across the board here. You, you just got to dust yourself off no matter what kind of lineup you have, and you got to just go back into it and back into the, uh, you know, the uh, the arena here and, and fire it up and just try and scratch and crawl for points here. There's no... There's no looking back. It's a game every other night here. They're 25 games in. It's a 56-game season. Uh, and the Devils, like I said, are in one of the toughest divisions here with, uh, you know, the rest of the crews uh, above them. Um, no doubt about it. Um, the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, 10 goals in the last five games, too, because I know we were talking uh, early in the season, too. They were spreading the goal scoring around a little bit, and that was a, a positive sign for them. Um, you know, any, anything, you know, outside of what you were just kind of expressing before, um, as far as the lineup changes, obviously being a big part of it, but anything that de- you think the Devils can do to help them uh, get some more goal scoring up front? 
Well, I think one of the things about that's unique about this season and playing the same teams over and over again is there's really no hiding from anybody. You can't sneak up on anybody. Uh, teams are going to come prepared. And I think in the beginning of the season, uh, players were catching, you know, the Devils players were catching some of the other teams off guard, especially the play of guys like, you know, Jack Hughes or Yegor Sharangovich or any of these young players. And now I think they're just more prepared for it. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll be watching the game tonight, but just take a look at how many times Jack Hughes falls down. I think he does a lot of uh, fancy things with the pucks, but I think the defensive um, systems are prepared for him and they force him to do things which, you know, he overexerts himself. He ends up down on the ice, uh, ends up, you know, pucks going the other direction. I just think the Devils aren't surprising anybody anymore. Um, and they, and I think that's one of the reasons why they're shuffling the lines up tonight. They want to see if they have any other combinations of, of things. But um, that for me has stood out um, over these last several games. There's no, they're not the the waves that they were coming at teams before the teams are prepared for them, you know, stacking people in the center ice or the way that they're pressuring them when they have the puck. It's just uh, leaving the, the younger players on the Jersey system vulnerable for turnovers and things like that. So that's something to keep an eye on. I think the Rangers will be prepared tonight. The Rangers have been playing better and, and, you know, this could be a, like you said, right for the Rangers to take. Yeah. It's funny how the pendulum swings back and forth here, as far as, you know, the devil's catching the Rangers there. Uh, a week ago or so, and now it's uh, now the Rangers are looking for blood themselves and kind of righting their ship through a, a very weird season that the New York Rangers are going through, uh, no doubt. Um, I wanted to talk to you, um, last thing I want to talk to you about today, Steve, is, is Travis Sajak. Obviously hitting a milestone here with the Devils, a thousand games, uh, only the fourth Devil to do that with Brodeur Danico and one of your favorite guys, if not the favorite Devil for Steve Palumbo, Mr. Patrick uh, Ilyash here. Um, you know, it came in the league 2006-2007. Uh, I was just reading a couple of things on him. You know, he played 80 games in his first season, and then he had four straight games of 82 seasons. Uh, he played 80, I mean, 82 games. You know what I'm saying? Where he played in 82 games, four seasons straight. Anybody out there trying to decipher what I'm trying to say, good luck. But I think you're getting the gist of it. Um, yeah. So uh, the only unfortunate thing here, um, you know, just not getting a championship with the team, but talk a little bit about him and, and um, you know, him as a player and you as a Devil fan, admiring him one way or the other. Yeah, he's a consummate Devil. I think you hear that all the time. He, he exudes what it means to be a Devil. Um, just, you know, not a flashy guy, hard-nosed, works hard. He's a solid guy. Like you just pointed out, he wasn't injured a whole lot. He plays, you know, just a guy that you could always count on in situations. Great in face-off, great uh, in his own zone, uh, defensively responsible. He can kill penalties. Just a guy that, that you know, kind of is like a, uh, a throwback to the, the cup teams. You know, he could have fit on any of those teams and been a, a vital part of them. Unfortunately, he's been here for the rough stretch. And a lot of people, you know, beat up on him because he doesn't put the offensive numbers up. But he's just one of those guys that, you know, if he's on the ice, that, that you know, the team is in good hands. Uh, they put him in so many good situations. I do think that he is a guy um, that could potentially be dealt this season. Um, he's coming to the end of his contract. And, you know, as, as good as the story was with 1,000 games, I think the Devils might come to him and give him, uh, similar to what they did with Andy Green, and just ask him, hey, do you want an opportunity to play in the playoffs? And you might see him as as um, a guy that is expendable um, in that right. And I think the way that the team wants to play now no longer suits his game. So unfortunately, that may be another option that forces him out. But as far as, as being one of the best Devils of all time, he's definitely going to be up there. You know, he 
wearing that sweater for a thousand games means a lot. And we've talked about what it means to be a Devils fan and the pride in the team in New Jersey and, and having a guy like that, you know, stay here when other people like Zach Parise left and he's killed Kovalchuk signs a big contract. He boots, he takes off, but you have one consistent has been Zajac. So that will mean a lot, you know, even after his playing days are over. Yeah, good stuff, man. No doubt about it. Hey, how's any idea where your old buddy uh, Patrick Eliash is these days? Is he coaching? Is he just chilling? He is coaching. Or... Yeah, where, yeah where, no. where is he? He's he's in the Czech Republic. He spits time between being in the Czech Republic and New Jersey. He he was uh, I think he was an assistant coach with the Czech national team with the juniors. Um, so and he's spent some time uh, doing some coaching with some of the players over there. The uh, there's a they dread the Devils drafted a, a Czech kid uh, in this past draft who's uh, Eliash's coach. So, um, he's not doing a whole lot with the devils right now, but he's, uh, I think he's one of those guys that they do bouncing, you know, things off of. And he does come in and speak to the players every now and again. I know he did in the beginning of the season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to see them get him into the organization, um, in some, you know, bigger capacity uh, going forward. And, and that might happen, but right now he's just doing some international stuff. So, well, there you go, folks. The Patrick Elias report from Steve Palumbo right here on that <laughs> hockey show. Tell him I said hi, Steve-O, next time you speak to him. That's good stuff, buddy. Look Absolutely. <laughs> All right, before I let you go, man, um, it was great to see the fans back in the buildings here. I know you're very familiar with here, the garden here, uh, the Coliseum, and obviously uh, the Rock there for the Devils, and they wore the retros the other day. I love those jerseys. Uh, it was great to see it. Unfortunately, didn't win. But I think you have a, a retro jersey story. That you have to oh, tell shit. everybody. So what's going on? Yeah, you know, they obviously they were hard to come by because they were so popular, they sold out so quick. But I was able to get my hands on one and I uh, got it at, at a killer price. And when it showed up, it was a uh, let's just say it was uh, less than authentic. <laughs> the colors are slightly off a little bit, but uh, I do have one now, and uh, you know, it's it's a, a nice replica. I would say they tried to do everything they can, including having the Adidas tags. But uh, no, I where got a knockoff. Where did you order this thing from? You know what? Hey, lesson learned, I guess. <laughs> where did you get? Where did you order it uh, from? Well, I, I ordered on eBay. Oh, and, there uh, the you go. <laughs> pictures on eBay didn't uh, were not <laughs> were not what I got. <laughs> did you? So. Did you? I know. I saw you on Twitter uh, talking about. It. Did you post a picture of it? I have not. I, you got to. I, I got to see this thing. Okay. I, I will. I will post the picture of it. Yes. <laughs> I haven't even taken the tags off it. I took it. I took it out of the package. I was like, oh my god. I, I showed my wife. I'm like, she just shook her head. She's like, I knew it. And I'm like, well, you know what? It's a cool story. I guess. I, I'm just gonna uh, laugh. And I think it's hysterical. <laughs> is, is it? Is it from a, a hockey central country? I mean, <laughs> you have no idea where you uh, got it from. <laughs> It was. It came from Canada. At least that's what it said. So oh, I don't know if it right. came from Canada. The, uh, Those Canadians, you know, man, they will get you all the time, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's a cool story. I'll eventually get my hands on, a, on an authentic one. This is a. It's a heisher, so that's cool. I guess they spelled the name right. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. That is just some great stuff. Well, buddy, I will post pictures of it. Yeah, you got to do it, man. You got to do it for all of us. I can't wait to see it, man. I think it's a okay. rip. Oh, man. I love it, man. All right, brother. Look, as always, I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and hanging out with me uh, every week here on THS. Um, I'll, try to be, I'll try to be nice to you if the Rangers, you know, turn it up. But I also give you carte blanche if the Devils cause some trouble here and 
and split this or win both, you can give me uh, give me the business, okay, buddy? Look, I grew up in a sea of Ranger fans, okay? My father's a Ranger fan. My brother's a Ranger fan. Everyone's a Ranger fan. I'm the only Devils fan, so I've learned to live with you people, all right? So <laughs> what do you mean as... by you people? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Steve, yeah. man, look, you're the best. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Best of the family. And uh, we'll do this next week, and hopefully we'll have some, uh, some wins and some positive news for not only the Devils, but maybe something for the Ducks as well. Okay, brother? Yes, absolutely. Uh, same right. to your family, too. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen, as always here on THS, talking some Western hockey and New Jersey Devils hockey as well and having a lot of fun. Steve O's the best. All the guys here on THS are the best. So with that said, it's a wrap. I want to thank Joe Yarden, Costa Papulias, Mr. Tab Bamford, and, of course, Steve Palumbo. And I also want to thank all you guys from all of us for downloading, listening, subscribing, sharing, tweeting, all that stuff. We really appreciate it, all right? So keep on coming back. And until next week, keep your head up. That hockey show is out. <laughs>